to read now from Genesis chapter 22. Uh, If you don't uh, have a Bible with you and you'd like access to one, there's a box available uh, at the back. There's always an app you can download on your mobile device. Uh, Genesis 22, whilst we turn there, let me just pray again. Uh, Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Lord, therefore, lighten our way. Lord, give us a clearer vision of Christ. Lord, of your heart as we read. Amen. Genesis 22, verses 1 to 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. When Abraham returned to his servants, then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Bathsheba. And Abraham stayed in Bathsheba. Okay, so I have put a clicker down somewhere. Here it is. Waiting, waiting. 
Uh, have you have ever had to wait for something? Is it something that you've really wanted and you've really had to wait a long time for? Anyone want to volunteer? Any of the, okay. We've got Casper. What have you had to wait for? Parents, do you know what this is? Okay. It could be a nervous moment. Everything that comes in the post. Everything that comes in the post. Is there something particular in the post that you've been waiting for, or just anything and everything? Everything. Everything. Do you, like, do you write lots of letters? No. Well, that's why you're waiting so long. If you don't write letters, you're not going to get anything. Um, or at least as you get older, you'll get bills, so you can get them instead. For, he means from Amazon. Oh, do you order lots from Amazon then? Maybe write some letters to Amazon, see what happens. Be friends with them. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else had to wait a long time for something? Who wants to share? Go on then, Micah. What have you had to wait a long time for? My birthday. Your birthday. How long do you have to wait for your birthday? A, year, a whole year. A whole year. And how, how many times have you had to wait for your birthday? Uh, 11 times. 11 times. Wow. That, that's a lot of waiting. Right, Mally. What have you had to wait for? Your birthday as well. How long have you had to wait for? Six years. Six years? That's a bit mean of your parents. Go on then, Boaz. What have you had to wait for? My birthday. Your birthday as well. I'm seeing a theme here. Do your parents make you wait for your birthday? Yeah. Yeah, that's quite cruel, isn't it? Uh, five days. You, you only have to wait five days. Oh, he has to wait five years. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else had to wait a long time for anything? A year, a year is quite a long time. I had to wait. Um, I'll show you what I had to wait for. This is what I had to wait for. Some people, this might mean something to others. It, it may not. Does anyone know what that is? Tracy Island. 1992, this came out. Do you know when I got this? 2014. <laughs> 22 years of waiting. Really wanted That was on my birthday list in 1992, and you just couldn't get it. So popular. Blue Peter, some of you will know that, actually taught you how to make your own Tracy Island because no one could buy one in the shops. Uh, yeah, in 2014, my dad got me a Tracy Island. Well, I think technically got it for Seth. Because I still had all the Tracy Island figures. 22 years uh, of waiting. And um, in our Sunday morning services, we've been looking uh, at the life of Abraham. I, Abraham has been waiting. So back in uh, Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham to leave his home and to go into this, this strange and foreign country. And he makes this promise to Abraham that I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Now, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they can't have children uh, at this point in time. God makes his promise. And then, after a period of time of waiting, and we read about it two weeks ago, Genesis 21, Isaac is born. It, it, it was a little bit longer than Tracy Island, 25 years. 25 years from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis 21. Abraham was waiting for 20 Five years. Imagine if you had to wait 25 years for your birthday, boys, eh? 
or 25 years to get something from Amazon. Maybe it feels like that. But imagine if you had to wait 25 years to get something. And that's what happened to Abraham. And after all that time of waiting, then you're suddenly told, you know, that thing you've been waiting for, that thing you've been longing for, you need to give it back. Imagine how that must feel. Waiting for 25 years. And then you're told that this thing that you've been promised, you need to return. Now, we're told at the end of chapter 21 of Genesis, now Abraham spent a long time in the land of the Philistines. And there are clues in the text here in Genesis 22 that Isaac, he's a young man by this stage. And he's certainly able to carry enough firewood on his back to be a burnt offering. So he's not a little boy. This is a young man. So 25 years of waiting, maybe 25 years of enjoying having a son. But then suddenly God says to him, you need to give Isaac back to me. You've been waiting for this thing. And then after enjoying it, you're told you need to give it back. Not an easy thing to do. I mean, regardless of the fact that this is, a, this is his son. Just even waiting for something. Now, we're told in Genesis uh, 22, verse 1, uh, have a look at Genesis 22, now, that this is a test. Verse 1, sometime later, God tested uh, Abraham. So this is a test. Later in Scripture, now, God will reveal he hates child sacrifice. It's not something that even enters into his mind as people are, are trying to sacrifice people. And so don't read this verse here as God endorsing child sacrifice. Remember, this is a test. We're told, Genesis 22, verse 1, God tested Abraham. Abraham doesn't know this, though. Abraham doesn't know it's a test. And God is testing Abraham to see, will Abraham really trust? Will he really trust me to provide? Because over that 25-year period of waiting, there have been times where Abraham trusted God. But as we've seen over these last few weeks, there are times where he didn't. He took matters into his own hands. He did what he thought was right. He did what he thought was best. He lied and he hurt people to get what he wanted. And we can so easily do that ourselves. Now, when we want something, we're tired of waiting. Now, I want a new pair of trainers or I want a new phone. So I'm just going to scuff these trainers up. I'm just going to accidentally drop this phone and, oh, mommy, daddy, I need a new phone. I need new trainers. Or as adults, where we maybe don't need to lie in that way to get what we want, we just see it and we take it. In the words of Paul Rogers, take whatever I want. We just take it regardless of how that affects and how that harms other people. And there are two options, really, that are laid before us in life. Are we going to trust or are we going to take? Are we going to trust God and God's way and God's words and what God says? Or are we going to do what seems right in our own eyes? And are we going to take to ourselves? And that's the background here to what we've got in Genesis 22. And as we go through Genesis 22 shortly, we're going to see these examples as an example of faith in Abraham. And this example, this revelation of God's faithfulness. Uh, But before uh, we come to that, we're just going to take a moment to pause and reflect. 
of those options that are laid before us. Now, do we trust or do we take? And there are many times where we have done what is right in our own eyes. Now, 1 John, uh, verse 1, uh, sorry, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says this. If we claim to be without sin, now if we say, no, we've never done that. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So in the words of this song, we're going to sing together uh, now. We're going to make that confession. And you know, it is good and it is right that individually that we can confess as soon as something is brought to our attention where we have turned from God and we've gone our own ways. Uh, But there's also something good and important for us together as a church uh, to be confessing. And we see that throughout Scripture, this corporate confession. And we're going to do that now. And maybe intermingle with this is personal confession. But as we confess that there have been times individually and as the people of God where we've just taken matters into our own hands. But God is faithful to forgive. And so let's turn to him uh, and let's... Okay, we are uh, going to continue then looking at this theme of how God can be trusted. But first, uh, I'm going to show you something that I made on Thursday. This is, um, this is my little box. It's a special box. It's a box that has been sanctified. Uh, and why is that, Phil Warner? No, no, Phil Gatwood. Phil Warner, which one? He's, he's going to figure it out. It's holy, there we go. It's holy. It's a bit, it's a bit of a tight hole, though. Um, it's also special because it is a flat-packed box. This is why I've got to have these um, pins on. Otherwise, it Ooh. falls apart otherwise. Um, so, this is my box that I spent Thursday evening making. The question is, if I told you, would you believe me that you could have some chocolates from that box? Who, 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 who would believe me that you could have some chocolates from that box? Mark would. He wants chocolate. Oh, Jacob's turned around now. Do you want chocolate, Jacob? Yeah. I know, poor, poor Ella's experience. Whenever she comes up, there's never any chocolate. Do you think there's some chocolate? Can I give you some chocolate from this box, Noah? Uh, no, Noah. It's because I'm looking at the name on the back of his top. Go on, Jacob. Okay, you just tell everyone. What's we'll it? Yeah, okay. Why do you think there's chocolate in that box? Because uh, there's yeah, but did you see the box? Yeah. Really? I think you were looking the other way. Did you? I think you just heard me say, I'll give you chocolate. Those are the words you heard, not from the box. Shall we see if there's 
Can I give you any chocolate from this box? Come here, come here. I mean, we, we stick my hand in. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> he shared his shirt with you, so he might as well. Yeah, thank you, Jacob. Go and take a seat. So, why did Jacob come up uh, and take? Where have I put my Bible? Here we go. Jacob, why did you come up and get the chocolate? It wasn't, I'm assuming, it wasn't because he saw the box, really, was it? He was looking the other way. You're welcome. I think Jacob just heard the words, I'm going to give you chocolate. It wasn't based on the box. I mean, there's not really, there wasn't really much to hope in this box. Is it really, it's just a... Useless box. But um, it was this trusting uh, of this provision that I will give him what I said I would give him. Uh, And Abraham here in Genesis 22 has been tested by God. Would he believe that God would provide what was needed? Even when it seemed like that everything, logically everything was going to fall apart at this point in time. Because Abraham, he's, he's received this promise that God is going to make him into a great nation in Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis 17, God says to him, it's through Isaac. This promise is going to come through your son, Isaac. Isaac's born in Genesis 21. Uh, we don't hear anything about Isaac being married or having any kids. Now, that's going to come later. So at this point, he's got a son, but that's it. In terms of this line continuing of there being a great nation. Whereas God says to him, you need to give Isaac back to me. I mean, regardless of just the emotional connection that he has with his son, this puts the promise in jeopardy. And we see many times throughout Genesis uh, where Abraham seems to put the promise in jeopardy. Here God is saying, give back to me. Now your source of hope. This is how the promise is going to be fulfilled. And I want you to surrender it to me as a burnt offering. And this is something of the dilemma that Abraham is facing. Again, just saying, if we put aside the emotional attachment that he would have to his son. But that the promise, God's promise, and this promise, which is to restore what was lost in the Garden of Eden, seems to be put into jeopardy. Will Abraham trust God to provide what is needed? And in a short while, we're going to look at the faith of Abraham, but before we do that, we're going to look at the reason for Abraham's faith. There has to be a reason for faith, and that reason is the faithfulness of God. The reason that Abraham can have faith in God is because God is faithful. So have a look at Genesis 22. As Abraham is heading up this mountain, it's a mountain of death. He's heading up there with his son. Now, all his hope, all his joy, all his delight is about to die on this mountain. And Isaac asks this question. Father, where's where's the lamb? Now, we're going to offer this burnt offering, but where where is that offering? Uh, And Abraham replies in verse 8, God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. 
Now, how God is going to provide, Abraham doesn't know at this point. It's not that he's got it all planned out. It's not I'm trusting in God here because I can see how it's all going to to work out. I can see the plan and I know what's going to happen and it's all going to be fine. No, his confidence has to be based in the fact that God is faithful. Abraham doesn't know how this is going to work out. Somehow God will provide. God will provide what is needed. So the trust is in the reality that God is faithful. And that's what we see. When we come to verse 13, that God provides. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. How is it that God provides? He provides this substitute. We're told a ram is given in the place of Isaac. And then we get this this saying that comes from the name of of this place. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, or the Lord will see to it. It could be translated, the Lord will see to it, or the Lord will be seen. The Lord will see to it, or the Lord will be seen. And there's something here that when... When the Lord sees to it, when God provides, we see something of the heart of God. The Lord will see to it, and the Lord is seen. Something of the heart of God, his faithfulness to provide what is needed and what is necessary. The Lord will provide. The Lord will see to it. The Lord is seen. That lie of Satan back in the garden was that the Lord wouldn't provide. And our view of God was obscured. We didn't see God as he was. And we embrace the lie that God is against us. And so we rebel and we rebel in the name of freedom only to become enslaved to corruption and to death. Because we don't see God as he is. We're told that this is a God who will not provide. This is a God who withholds. But on the mountain of the Lord, no, the Lord sees to it. And as the Lord sees to it, the Lord is seen. There's two ways of reading that word. The Lord sees to it and the Lord is seen. God is faithful. God will provide. And he will provide everything that is necessary to bring us back to him. Like following on from our rebellion and our turning away and becoming slave to corruption and death, the Lord will see to it. And the Lord is seen in that. He's not a God who withholds. He's a God who generously gives. And how does the Lord see to it? And the language that we have here in Genesis 22 is similar language that then gets picked up in Leviticus on the Day of Atonement. Now, and all these things pointing us forward to Jesus, who provides, who brings us back into relationship with God, following our rejection, following our slavery, to corruption and to death. And Jesus does it by doing the very thing that God tested Abraham with. What God tested Abraham with is what God himself does. As God says to Abraham, that take your son, your only son, whom you love. Those famous words, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 
the perfect representation of the Father. The Son in whom the Father delights, think of Jesus' baptism. This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. The Son who takes our place. The one who ascended the mountain for us. And as Christ dies on the cross, as he, as he takes away our sins, you know, as he rose from the dead, as he ascends to heaven, as we look to Jesus, as we look at that cross, as we look at the empty tomb, as we look to the risen and ascended Jesus, you know, what we see, we see that the Lord has seen to it. And the Lord is seen, the heart of God is seen as we look at Jesus, that he is not a God who is withholding. But he is a God who generously gives in order to bring us back to himself. As we considered the other week. He who did not spare his only son, but but gave him up for us all. How will he not graciously, along with him, give us all things? On the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will see to it. The Lord will be seen. It will be provided. God has done what is necessary. And then in verse 15, the angel of the Lord uh, goes on, calls Abraham from heaven a second time and says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, but because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And we we could read through this passage and it may sound like God is saying, Now, Abraham, you've earned this. You've earned this blessing. Because you have done this, I will surely bless you. And it could sound like Abraham somehow, you know, he's put God in his debt and God's paying him back and he's rewarding him for this. But just remember the promise. Where did the promise come? Came back in Genesis 12. Before any of this ever happened. God made this promise to Abraham. This promise, this blessing no, it, it wasn't provoked by Abraham's obedience, and that was the obedience of faith. Now, it was birthed in the generous heart of God. Now, much in a similar way, I suppose, that with, um, with Jacob uh, and with the chocolates. Now, it wasn't a case that he came up to the front, and we're all astounded at, wow, you know, how brave this boy is. Just hold on a second. I need to pop to the shops. And I've got to buy him some chocolate now. I've, I've seen this action of him and it's inspired me that I need to give him some chocolate to reward him for that. Now, that's not how it happened, was it? The promise was there beforehand. And it was that stepping out, it was that coming forward that enabled him to receive the promise. So the promise has always been birthed in the heart of God. It's not provoked by our actions. And the obedience that we're called to is the obedience of faith. Will we trust him, the giver of life? Now, the author of life, we receive life as we come to him. Abraham didn't deserve the blessing. We don't deserve the gift of eternal life. It is given as a gift. And God is faithful. God faithfully gives. He faithfully provides. And then we are called to come and to receive and to trust in the one who gives us everything we need. Are we going to sing uh, again? Are we going to sing uh, You Alone Can Rescue? 
And that line, we lift our eyes. Where do we lift them? We lift them to the giver of life. It's not our lifting our eyes that provokes God to respond. He is the giver of life, the author of life. And as we come to him, uh, we receive that life in Christ. As we continue to look at him, now we live in that new life in Christ. Uh, Let's stand together as we sing, You Alone Can Rescue. If you take your seats and have a look at Genesis 22 again. Genesis 22, verse 2. God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. So God tests Abraham. He tells him to take Isaac uh, and to offer him as a burnt offering. And there are various offerings that we read about in the Old Testament. The significance of a burnt offering. Now, is this is one where the offering was completely consumed. The various offerings we read about, and we read uh, a number, I think about five of them, in the beginning of Leviticus, uh, the burnt offering was one that was completely consumed. It was completely given over to God. Wholly given over to God. And God says to him, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And God asks Abraham to take what is most precious to him, his son. And not also just what was most precious, but as we've said before, his source of hope. It says, your only son, Isaac. See, Ishmael's already been sent off, if you recall, a few weeks back. And so here, Abraham has kind of one source of hope in some ways, and that's Isaac. And God says, I want you to take that. I want you to take him, your source of hope, your source of delight and joy, and give it wholly over to me. Abraham does not have a backup plan here. Now, like it in Genesis 17, now verse 18, as his backup plan, well, you know, can Ishmael receive the blessing? God says, give it wholly to me. And so in this test, in Abraham having to come and to sacrifice Isaac. Now this is everything. His source of joy, his source of laughter. Remember, that's what the name Isaac means. He laughs. His hope, his security, his dreams. God says to Abraham, I want you to give that all over to me. Are you going to trust me with this? And this is biblical faith. This isn't isn't hedging the bets. This isn't Pascal's wager for those of you who who know about that. This isn't a a good and a safe bet. This This is everything in. If God doesn't come through on this, I lose everything. And this is biblical faith. It's not a hedging of bets. But it's putting hope in God. Putting everything, all our hope in God. God who is the author of all life, the creator. So far from being actually irrational, faith is the most rational thing we can do. What's irrational is to say, I'm going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust in my plans and my abilities to to orchestrate life. That's irrational. 
Yeah, this is the most rational thing to do. I'm going to put my trust wholly in the author and the giver of life. So as with Abraham, even when the page seems blank and the sky seems black, I'm going to entrust it to God. And so then in verse 5, as he goes on this journey, Abraham says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. What does Abraham mean by that? We will worship, fair enough. We will come back to you. How are we going to come back? God has just commanded him to offer Isaac as a whole burnt offering. There's no we coming back here. Humanly speaking, that's it. What's Abraham doing here? Is this just trying to ease the blow for Isaac? Is this lying to his servant? I I don't think so. Um, This is what Hebrews 11 says. He knows good that we let the Bible interpret the Bible. Hebrews 11 verse 17 says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise, promises through Isaac, and was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. This trust in God, somehow God will provide. Abraham trusted God. His faith, his confidence, as we considered before, it's not I know how this is all going to pan out. But I'm trusting in God. Abraham didn't know the how. As we read here in Hebrews, now he reasoned that if necessary, God could even raise Isaac from the dead because God had made a promise and that promise had to be fulfilled. Abraham went and as he spoke to his servants, he said, I I don't know the how. We will come back. We must come back because God has made this promise and his promise will not be broken. Abraham didn't know the how, but he knew the who. And really, that's all we need to know. We need to know the who. We don't need to know the how, but we do need to know the who. And there are circumstances that we can face in life, maybe even circumstances that you are facing right now, and you can't understand the how. How is this working out for good? Now, we read in Scripture, Romans 8, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, and that purpose to be conformed to the image of Christ. Okay, you know, that is what God is is working out, but I can't see how this situation and this experience is working to that end. I was talking about it uh, uh, this week with someone who, um, who knew someone who was suffering from dementia, a Christian suffering from dementia. And it's just one of those things, those questions. We're like, well, how? I, I can't understand the how of how this can be of any benefit uh, of this person being conformed more and more to the image of Christ. There's just a mystery in the how there. There are many things in life where we don't understand the how. How is God using this? But we need to know the who. The who is the reason for our hope. Who is the Lord? 
Who is the Lord in this situation? And the Lord is, as we considered earlier, the faithful one. The one who sees to it. Who sees what is provided is provided. As the Lord sees to it, the Lord is seen. He is one who can be trusted wholly and completely. And this last week, I've, I've been sort of wrestling somewhat with, with the prayer of, God, I want to serve you whatever it costs. And I think the older we get, the more we realize the depth of that prayer. That what, whatever it costs, actually it could cost an awful lot. It's funny, isn't it, that our minds tend to, to immediately go to, to, to what it will cost, what we will lose. And having to wrestle with that prayer. How can we pray? How can we push through in that prayer of, Lord, I will serve you whatever it costs. This whole offering completely given over. As the Lord sees to it, the Lord is seen. I think uh, the hymn writer put it beautifully uh, in the hymn, Father, let me dedicate. Can a child presume to choose where or how to live? Can a father's love refuse all the best to give? And as I continue to pray on this, I found a way to, to push through more and more in that prayer. So that becomes a deep desire of my heart. It's not looking at the how. It's looking at the who. To see the Lord. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It will be seen to. The Lord will be seen. And in this passage, you know, Abraham is given as an example of faith. A great example of faith. But let's not forget, Jesus Christ is the reason for faith. He is the reason for faith. And as we look at him, as we look at Jesus, as we look at the greatness of God's provision for us. And that's how we're freed from this fear of trust. We may not need to know the how. We may not know the how. But we can know the who. And that's what God has revealed to us in Christ. So in a moment, we're going to sing uh, again uh, a song called Holy Yours. And the reason we can sing that, the reason we can sing, God, we're, we wholly give ourselves over to you. You know, it's not rooted in our resolve, but in the greatness of who God is. As we look at Jesus, as we look at the Lord, as the Lord is revealed, the Lord is seen as the Lord who sees to it. He has given us everything that we need in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, new life, joy and peace in him. So let me pray uh, and then we're going to sing. Father, we thank you that you are the God Lord, who provides. You are the God who can be trusted. There are many other situations that are going uh, around us in the world, maybe even in our own lives at this point in time. Things that just... Don't make sense. Things that seem all over the place. And yet we thank you that there is one thing that is certain and that is secure. Lord, and you are the one who is, who is certain, who is secure. You are the rock. 
Lord, all your words are true. And the promise that you have given us in Christ. The promise we considered at the beginning. Lord, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Lord, and in a world of death and decay and sin. We thank you that we can have forgiveness and new life in Christ. Lord, give us a greater vision of your love and your provision. Lord, that we indeed may continue to walk in your ways. Lord, and wholly give ourselves over to you. Every area of our life. Lord, help us to see, Lord, your great love, your great grace towards us in Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing Holy Yours.